Alright, so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. It is in the New Testament. It is right before Ephesians. So Galatians chapter 1. Now the title of tonight's message is No Other Gospel, meaning that there is only one gospel, that there is only one true answer, there's only one choice. But I did a little Google search before tonight because I was curious at how many religions there were in the world. How many main religions do you think there are? 5,000, okay. Major, major, not like break-offs. I'll ask the break-off question of that. Major religions, how many you think there are? 536. Six was close. So there are 12 major, like major, okay. Hindu, Buddhism, Taoism, Judaism, Confucianism, uh, there's Baha'i, there's Shinto, Jainism, uh, Zoroastrianism, which is, yeah, Christianity, Islam. Now, that's the 12 major ones. Now, how many do you think there are breakoffs of those? So Taylor's not far off in 5,000. There are 4,300 different recognized religions within the world. That's different break-offs. It's different things, okay? So there are 4,300 different religions. And all of those have a different answer, a different way. They have a different agenda. Everybody with me so far? Yes? Cool. All right. So, with that being said, we're going to get into this. So, Galatians chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles over there. If you need one, raise your hand. We'll get you one. Um, if you have your phone, you can use your phone. I don't prefer you use your phone because what happens when I use my phone is ESPN, ESPN pops up, ba-na-na, and then I'm looking, right? So, there are Bibles over there if you need it. So, Galatians chapter 1, if you have not been with us before, um, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Glad to start up Wednesday nights. It is good to be back. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Verse 10, for I am now trying to persuade people, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant to Christ. Okay. So we got a lot there. We're going to unpack it, unfold it. A couple of key things before we start. Everybody say Galatia. Okay, so Galatia is the church of which Galatians, the letter, is written to. So the church of Galatia. Everybody with me so far? All questions at the end, Logan. Oh, we're in Galatians. Galatians 1, 1 through 10. You are welcome. So, Galatia, everybody say Paul. Paul. Paul is the author. We know that, and I'll explain how we know that in there. So he is writing a letter to the church of Galatia. Everybody say Galatia. Galatia. Everybody say Paul. Paul. Perfect. Okay. There's a third group in here, and we are going to call these the evil people, right? So you have a, what, what two type of people? You have a protagonist and a? Okay. Protagonist is what? And the, and the antagonist is? Bad, okay. So, it's all about perspective, all right? And the perspective of this, the antagonist, is bad. So, so once again, I say antagonist. antagonist. Our antagonist in this story is the Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. Judaizers. One more time, Judaizers. Judaizers. Okay, perfect. So we have... Paul writing a letter to the church of Galatia. And then we have the antagonist who will come into play, the Judaizers. Everybody with me? Cool. Let's roll. So how we know that Paul wrote this is verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Okay? So Paul is stating, my name is... I am an apostle of Jesus, right? I wasn't given that title by men. I don't serve man, but I serve Jesus. Okay? Everybody with me? Yes, yes, cool, right? So anytime Paul writes a letter, we see him lay this down of introducing who he is, what his authority comes from. So his authority comes from God. He is Paul. He's an apostle. And all the brothers who are with me. Here we go. To the churches of Galatia. This is where it starts off. He just said, hey, what's up? My name is Paul. Now he's about to get into everything. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So he's saying, peace to you, I'm glad to talk to you. And then he's, in, he's starting his letter in a way that he normally doesn't. In verse 4, he starts laying down the gospel. So we're going to look at this one more time. So, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, 
according to the will of our God and Father. The reason this is so important, and this is where the antagonists come into play. So once again, everybody say antagonists. antagonists. I say Judaizers. Okay, so the Judaizers were these people that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. So they believed that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that he was the Son of God. They believed that he rose again and fulfilled prophecy. But they also still believed that you had to follow Old Testament rules, Old Testament law, in order to completely be saved, okay? So for instance, Old Testament... Salvation is always Jesus. Everybody say faith in Jesus. It has always been about faith. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, David, all the major minor prophets, all the people that love God in the Old Testament were saved because of faith. Not because of what they did, but putting their faith in God. Abraham was accounted righteous because of faith in God. Okay, everybody say faith. 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 Awesome. However, there were these things that the Jewish culture did to physically make them stand out from everybody else, right? So the way that they sacrificed things, the things that they did not eat and the things that they did eat, right? Circumcision, all these things were physical markings and physical acts that made them stand apart. Yes, Ben? What is circumcision? Ask your dad. Seriously, ask your dad. I can tell you afterwards, but I'd rather you ask your dad. So... You had all these things that were physical markings or physical acts that made you stand out from the rest of the world. So the Judaizers came through and they said, look, yeah, it's cool that you believe in Jesus. So Paul came through and shared the gospel. People got saved. Yeah, awesome. We love Jesus too. Jesus died on the cross. He's the son of God, right? It covers our sins, but you also have to be circumcised and you have to do all of these things as well, right? So you had Judaizers coming in and telling grown men, hey, you have to be circumcised. Hey, you have to do these things. Or you're not really saved. You didn't really accept Jesus. Now that's a big problem, right? Because it adds works into faith. Right? It makes the faith not happen unless works are happening, which is opposite of the gospel. That's why Paul, in verse 4, says that Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And the reason that it happened was because it was according to God's will. Right? Everything that happens is according to God's will. Whether we see it as good or bad, God has a perfect plan and everything falls into that plan. Right? Everybody with me? When people ask, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? Because there's free will. Because there's sin, right? Jesus dying on the cross is a great thing for all of us, correct? You can say yes, it's okay. Right? Because without Jesus on the cross, without him defeating death, and without him raising up, we're still trying to follow this law. So he dies and freedom happens. It's great for us. Do you think that it was easy for God to let his only son die for a bunch of people that don't deserve it? Absolutely not, right? But his will, his way is perfect. Everybody with me? Yeah. Cool. So, verse 6. Paul said, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel. So Paul came into Galatia and set up this church, right? He came and visited. When Paul goes somewhere, he visits and he stays for a while. Timing differs, right? But he stayed for a year, a couple years, however long he stayed. He stayed and built relationships with these people. So he comes into a place like Galatia. He plants a church, witnesses to people. They accept Jesus into their life. Their life changes forever. And then he trains the church how to be the church, right? You got to teach people how to follow Jesus, right? When we lead somebody to Jesus, we don't just say, good luck, deuces, have fun, figure it out. Here's a 66-book love letter. Have fun with Leviticus, <laughs> right? That's not what we're doing. However, what we do is we say, hey, let me show you how to live life. Let me show you what it means to be saved. Now that you've made it to this point, let me continue to walk with you, right? Let me show you some of the mistakes I made so you don't make those mistakes. And when you fall, I'm going to be here to pick you up and show you how to get through it all. So that's what Paul does. Then Paul leaves and goes to the next place, goes to the next town, goes to the next country, city, and does the process, and then it repeats, okay? So he left Galatia, and then after he leaves, the Judaizers come in and start spreading all of, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow the Old Testament law, all these things. So you had half of the church that was saying, we agree with Paul, and you had the other half of this church saying, we're going to do those things too, because without those things, we can't be saved. Right? Talk about a church split. Right? You have half of it following the gospel and the other half not. So Paul writes this letter and he says, look, I am so, so amazed and blown away that you have so quickly turned away from him who called you by the grace of Christ. Right? He said, God has called you into grace. Right? God picked you. He chose you. He died for you. And you've taken this gift, and you've just shoved it aside, and you've run towards something else. The reality is, is if we are not standing on what the Word of God says, right, if we don't know what's in this book, if we don't know what God says, then we will turn away and chase something else every time. Because the reality is this. <clears throat> the reason that so many people are religious is because being religious is way easier than having a relationship with Jesus. It's way easier to just follow a set of rules, laws, and standards, right? It's easier. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you have to get real with yourself. You have to get honest with yourself. And the old you has to die, and you have to change your life forever. It's easier to just follow a set of laws than it is to change. Right? It's easy just to show up to church and go home the rest of the week and your life looks different than it does on Sunday. Right? You can be somebody else here, but you really don't have to change when you're outside of this place. That's what religion gives you. Right? A relationship changes everything. Because a relationship says, Jesus, I understand that I am not perfect. And I need you every step of the way of my life. And without the cross, I have nothing. Without the cross, I am still hopeless. Without the cross, I'm still broken. Without the cross, I am still hurting. Without the cross, I'm still addicted. Without the cross, fill in the blanks. 
But with Jesus, none of those things matter because God is bigger than any of those things that lay in our life. It's not about being religious, but it's about having a relationship. Everybody say relationship. Relationship, relationship right? Ah! I know, I got a big foot. So, there's a thing there. Just in case you didn't know that. I know that now. So it's about having a relationship. The greatest part about relationships is this, is that the people that you have solid relationships with are the people that you lean the most on, correct? Hopefully everybody's got that one person in their life that they go to anytime anything happens. We serve a God who is that person 24-7 and doesn't change and will continue to be that person. So verse 7, Paul says, Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So Paul makes it very clear. There's only one gospel. There's only one way to Jesus. There is only one way, and that is through the cross and nothing else. If anybody ever tells you that you have to be baptized to be saved, eh, wrong. If anybody ever says, hey, you have to give $1,000 every month and we'll send you this gift, and then after this gift and after a certain amount of time, then you can be saved, eh, wrong. Right? If anybody tells you, hey, you have to show up to church every single week or it doesn't count, eh, wrong. If you have to add anything else to the cross, then it is wrong. It is just Jesus and only Jesus. We like to complicate things a lot in our lives, and I know I do. I complicate things every single day. Right? I make situations way bigger than they ever needed to be. And I feel like a lot of us sometimes do that with the gospel. And we do that with the Word of God. And we do that with our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't have to be complicated because the gospel is not a complicated process. The gospel is super simple. Broken people, God. And there has to be something to get to God. And the only thing that gets to God is through Jesus dying for our sins. It's simple. Right? He says, come and follow. You give and surrender your life, right? When we say these big words like surrender, it's literally taking the old you, right? The things that you used to live for, the things that maybe you live for now, and saying those things, I don't need those things anymore. Those things aren't me, right? The things that self-gratify you, those things don't matter. It's about living the old life behind and living a new life in the freedom of Christ. Everybody say freedom. 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 We're going to hold on to that thought of freedom throughout the next couple of weeks, okay? It's going to be like the main or the sub-theme of this whole thing is freedom in Christ. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. And in verse 9, he even backs us up further and says, 
As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Paul takes this so seriously that the gospel is such a sacred thing. The gospel is such a perfect thing that if anybody adds anything to the gospel, right, they're not worth it. Like, let a curse be put on him. Right? Paul is making such a big deal about it because the gospel is the only thing that saves. The gospel is the only thing that changes life. Right? Why is it important that you know the word of God so you know that the gospel, because the gospel is through the Bible from the beginning to the end. Right? You want to know where the gospel starts? The gospel starts in the garden when man sins. And in chapter 3 and verse 15, when God makes a promise that he's going to send somebody that's going to crush sin, well, that somebody is Jesus, right? And all throughout the Old Testament, it is a longing and waiting for Jesus to return. It's people promising, right? It is God promising through people that he's going to send somebody that is going to change the history of the world forever. That he is going to make a way when there was no way and there can be no way. That he'll establish a kingdom that will be everlasting, right? Right? That he would be the lamb that was slaughtered. Right? That he would be crucified for all. There's a show out right now called The Chosen. Um, and if you haven't watched it, I, you need to watch it. Um, just a spoiler alert. You guys are going to see it on our calendar. But we're going to do a thing throughout the summer. This is just a side piece. So you're welcome for this. Um, we're going to have lunch up here once a week. We're going to watch two episodes every week during the summer to catch you up. So you're going to bring a lunch. We'll watch two episodes. They're an hour each. And literally, it is just following the gospel to the T. But there's a scene this week where they're all sitting around a table. And it's Jesus and it's all the disciples. And the disciples are asking an Old Testament question. They're saying it's prophesied in Ezekiel. That when we have the feast that we're having now, that it won't only be Jews at a table, but it'll be Gentiles at a table. And then Jesus is, is making the point of there's going to have to be something big that happens for it to get to that point. Right? Jews and Gentiles hate each other. And so you can see the emotion played out in the actors. And you can see that Jesus knows what's going to happen. And it's a foreshadowing that he's going to die. Right? It's that ultimate gift for everybody. That ultimate gift. Verse 10. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What Paul is saying here is this. I am not liked by everybody because I preach the gospel, because I teach about Jesus. Everybody needs to understand this. The gospel is a very offensive thing. Everybody say offensive. Offensive. Right? We live in a, a time right now where everybody's offended. Right? You cough under your mask and somebody's offended. Right? It's crazy. The gospel is an offensive thing because it tells people that they're not good enough. It tells people that they can't do it on their own. 
And it tells people that they need God. That they need Jesus. But just as it's offensive, it's also hopeful. It's also redemptive. There's grace, and there's mercy, and there's love, and there's peace. There's joy beyond all understanding. When you follow Jesus, people are not going to like you. And the reason that Paul makes this statement at the end of verse 10, and he says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant to Christ. Paul used to live a very religious life. He was a Pharisee. He was studying under the top Pharisee. And Paul knew all the rules. He did all the rules to a T. He prayed out loud on the street corner so people would acknowledge him. He kept every law. Right? He pleased people by the way that he lived his life. His life was gratifying to him and to those around him that were from the same place that he was. The difference is before Jesus, he was just religious. And he was just serving himself and people. When we enter a relationship with Jesus, it goes from us serving us to us serving Jesus and chasing after him. To us realizing that it's not about us and it's never been about us and it will never be about us, but it will always be about Jesus. Because the star of the story, the star of the movie, he already came. He died and he conquered death. And he is waiting at the right hand of God to say, go back and finish off what we started. That is the hope that we give. That is the assurance that we have. Right? People ask, how do you know that what you study, that the life that you live, how do you know that it's true? How do you know that it's real? Right? You can't physically see God. You don't audibly hear God. I don't audibly see the wind blow, but I know that it's real. Right? You can't physically see the heat unless it's a heat wave, but you know that the heat's there. You can't see that it's cold outside when it's cold, but you step out and you know it's cold. Right? I believe what I believe, and I know what I know, because I've seen God move, and I've seen God work. And I know where I was before God changed my life forever. I saw myself go from death to life, from darkness to light. And there's only one way that that happens, and that is through Jesus. Or I'd ask you tonight to think about one person, just one person. Right? And hopefully God put that one person on your heart, or hopefully that person's already been on your heart. Throughout the summer, just have conversations. Engage those people. Live your life like you're chasing after Jesus. Because I promise you, if you are chasing after Jesus, the majority of the time, it will take care of itself and the rest plays out. Because when you're following Jesus, your heart wants the things that Jesus wants. Your heart will break for the things that his breaks for. And you will go where he says go, and you will talk to who he says talk to, and you will do the things that he says to do. Does that mean that you're going to be flawless? Absolutely not. 
right? None of us are. But the beautiful thing is this, is that we serve a God who because of the cross and because of Jesus, we are covered in forgiveness. So go, have those conversations. Live a life worthy of the calling that was set before you. Right, that verse is not just for pastors. That verse is not just for church leaders. That verse is for the church. Right, the calling that's been set before us is to be forgiven and to chase after Jesus. And through the way that we live our life, through the things that we say, through the way that we act, the world will see him. So challenge. You guys are about to be out of school. Summer's about to hit. It's about to be here, right? Take this summer to spend time with Jesus, right? Not because you have to, but because you want to, right? Find a Bible study to do. Get on version and find a Bible plan that you can keep track of. You can hit check marks to tell you when you've done stuff. You can also earn badges, right? Just like achievements on Xbox and trophies on PlayStation, so if that's one of those things that pushes you, do that. Right? You can be real aggressive and do what I'm going to try to do. Right? I have never been successful doing this, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to read the entire Bible in 60 days. Super, super aggressive. Super crazy. I've tried it three times and never been successful. I am going to be successful this summer. Fourth time is a charm. Epic speed run world record. It's going to happen. I'm telling you. There we go. The dare has already been laid out. I have to do it. All right. So if you do that, right, if you take that seriously, if you read something every day or listen to it, right, you can literally listen to the Bible and it is the easiest thing to do. Easiest thing to do. Before I was full time here, okay, I worked a job that I drove all the time. I had to drive around everywhere. On Wednesday nights, I would drive from Kingwood up here for service. And then I would drive back home to Kingwood, right? Which is like an hour and then an hour. I would literally listen to a book or listen to the Bible, right? It helped me get through reading plans easy, right? You know how much you can listen to in an hour? A lot. If you take that seriously, watch where your life goes and watch how your life changes, Right, watch. From May to August when you go back to school, watch how different your life will be. I guarantee you people will notice. I guarantee you your parents will notice that your friends will notice. And I guarantee you that you will notice. If you have questions, if you're struggling with things, you're not alone. Right? All these adults in this room, we all struggle with things. We all go through things. The beautiful part about the church is it's not individuals, but it's a body of people together who are going through the same struggles together, who are going through life together. Talk to us. Talk to each other. Build each other up. Do life together.